This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. All right, we're pumped. It's it's two days full of draft content. We did not check in with you last night because it ended at like midnight, um, and it was crazy and trying to write up Greg Newsom's film room. So I'm bringing in, if you have not watched uh, our OBR live show, I hope you have. We've gotten really positive response to the live draft show that we are doing on YouTube, on our YouTube channel. I would urge you to check that out if you can. If you are a person who has not been able to, we wanted to give our comments, feedback, and thoughts on some of these picks and where the Browns are right now through two rounds. Also kind of where they are at uh, with what's left on the board and, and some exciting picks coming up the next day. So I will bring in my co-host, the guru, the, dra- the draft man himself, Mr. Brown's Mock Draft. How are you, sir? I am uh, tired and excited, pretty much like everybody in Browns fandom. Uh, how you doing there, my friend? Uh, I'm good. We're hanging in. We've done like ten hours of live draft coverage the last two the last two days. And if you're listening to this in the morning of here, we are going to do another hour worth of show at the very beginning of of uh, noon coverage. East Coast time. It's going to be very early, 9 a.m. kickoff of the draft over there in West Coast time for for Steve. So uh, we're going to try to knock out some thoughts real quick and get out in front of this, and hopefully you guys catch these thoughts before uh, the next day kicks up. So listen, let's talk two things. I'll give you the floor. First, talk talk Greg Newsom. Did you did you ever think? Uh, that he would be there. I mean, I guess it's not crazy he was there, but I didn't think you and I thought he would be there. Right at pick twenty six. Yeah, I thought it was um, probably 80-20 against. He was the guy. I mean, yeah. we we identified him, uh, and most people who were paying attention identified corner as the number one need before the season ended. Uh, and then when you started looking at realistic things, when the board started falling into place, he became the guy. I mean, yes, we would have loved J.C. Horn, but uh, it was a pipe dream. It was always a pipe dream. I thought, you know, with as many times as I ran through everything, that it would take – uh, uh, at least one um, outside the box pick ahead of us, and there would have to be uh, you know a certain number of tackles and and this and then that everything else. And so uh, in front of us we had uh, the Raiders make the the big reach pick. I thought uh, Kadarius Tony was another one that we didn't think was going to go ahead of us, so that helped. And then both of the injury question guys went ahead of us as well. Um, and the range on guys like um, Jalen Phillips and Caleb Farley because of their serious medical. Uh, questions nobody knew uh, you know and so both of those guys going ahead eventually it just became a numbers game that uh, there was only so many teams left ahead of us and none of them wanted a corner and uh, Andrew Barry gambled apparently he had an offer to move up uh, a few spots to make sure he could get them but he, he read the table correctly he's a great poker player and uh, he fell to us I thought 
they would have to move up. I really did. I think he, I, I thought he was their guy. Like if you ask them ahead of time and obviously they're going to play the board and they're going to let it come to them and all that. And that's all true. But if you got a quiet moment with Andrew Barry off the record and said, okay, if you could make one guy fall to you, I guarantee you he would have said Greg Newsom. Um, I, need matches value, matches guardrails, matches. It's just a fit from every possible angle. It is. I wrote about him. Uh, I watched uh, five games, as many as I could, in a game from 2019, his Iowa game from 2019. I highlighted his strengths, his weaknesses. I, I put it all in pen to paper form with some visual aid for you at the OBR's free view. You can check it out. Uh, super twitched up player who takes it personally uh, about about uh, every every single thing that goes wrong on the field. The, the quote I love from Andrew Berry was how they... They think he's a, a flip the switch guy, Steve, which is like a guy who off the field is a great person, has that leadership off the field, that mm-hmm. uh, that that quality that they're looking for. But then he flips a switch on the field and he becomes hyper competitive. They love that about him. He does take it personal when anything goes wrong. Uh, he is uh, a guy who is going to be like you know you like the Jairi Alexander, the vocal type of guys who will let you know when they lock you down. He is that type of guy and. I equated him when watching film study of him to a mini Denzel Ward. I don't think he's quite as twitchy uh, as Denzel Ward, and I don't think he plays the arrival of the football quite as effectively as Denzel does, as Denzel can be blinded from the ball and still find a way to get his arms through the catch point. But they're similar body types. They're similar athletes. He's a 4-3-9-40 guy. He can move. Uh, he has great transitions. One of the things I pointed at in the film was great transitions uh, between getting his hips turned one direction and getting his hips back the other direction. Very little wasted mm-hmm. motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that stuff effectively? Click and close. And what I mean by that is putting your foot in the ground, getting downhill, catching a, you know, coming up to tackle, whether it's a running back in run game, uh, and run support, or whether that is uh, putting your foot in the ground and making a play on a shorter route and zone coverage, something along those lines. He tackles pretty well in open space, and he's not afraid of contact. He'll come up and hit you. I think he, he does a lot of things really effectively. He'll stay in your hip pocket. He's not getting beat deep very often. One of the few guys in six games last year, he only gave up under 100 total yards of receptions. Um, just a good pick, a good pick. Now, you know, the, the red flags are, there's there's a couple things to me. The injuries, you know, he talked about missing eight games his freshman year was 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 kind of like a mirage because he was going to redshirt. But, you know, an injury is an injury, whatever. That's got to be taken into account. He missed games there. He missed games his sophomore year with a um, with an undisclosed injury, which I don't know if he talked about what that was. We did not get any information. It was the ankle his first year. And then the third year, just this past year, was a groin that was that was nagging. And he uh, eventually the Ohio State game, the Big Ten championship game, he had to leave with that groin injury. So. Listen, the risk they're taking is a guy with an injury history. They feel confident. Andrew Barry talked about it. They feel confident in the fact that he can play games and they're just little nagging injuries that have popped up, but they think he's going to play. Um, and I think he's going to be healthy a majority of the time, and that's why they took him where they took him. Now, he can get a little grabby. A guy that flips his hips and clicks and closes as quick as he does can get beat on double moves every now and again, but it's he has the speed to make up for it. I think sometimes at the catch point, he gets a little grabby, plays a little too physical. He had 14 penalties in his three years total, so a little grabby, but, you know, he's physical. He wants to get his hands on you, and you like that ultimately. So a good player. I think he's, he's a good player. They're, they're comfortable with the injury assessment that he will ultimately have a great chance to be healthy a majority of his career and they feel good about it you know and this is why we talk about too steve we talk about corners down the line here they have not taken another one but we want as many guys as they can take at the position because we know how guys with body types like these guys 
it can be an injury risk in general, and you want as much depth there as you possibly can. But I like Newsom. I like the spot. We are considering some other names, uh, including one of the guys we're about to talk about in just a second. There were other great. The, the, the thing that the, I guess Steve, the theme of this whole thing so far has been, I can't believe the board is falling this well for the Browns. Am I right? <laughs> How many times have we said that on the air over the past two nights? It, I mean, it's just bananas at even at 91 even at 91 we were talking on the air and for those of you who joined us you know this you're looking at it and you're like i got six guys that i'm totally happy with here now um schwartz wouldn't have been my pick of that group but he was one of the group that i was like okay and you know we knew they were going to take a speed speed receiver at some point and i guess they figured that was as good a time as any yeah it's been falling to the point where the guy that you know uh, we're going to talk about here next. He was in that group of options at 26. He, we, I don't think there's anybody that would have been upset if they had taken JOK at 26 and they ended up getting him 26 picks later. It, it's, it's bananas. I, I, I'll say this. I was thinking about this uh, after we went off the air and before uh, we started the pod here. I, if, if I had run, you know, if I was on the draft network simulator or something like that last week, and I had run a simulator where, for whatever reason, that was the first. Newsom was there at 26, and then we got JOK in the 50s. I would have quit. I would have said, there's no way. I'm not publishing this. The, 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 the smoke yeah. I would yeah. get, I would quit and start over. There's just there's no way I, that, that you could have told me ahead of time that that's the way the first two picks were going to go. But man, oh, man, what a first what a first and second round. Just fantastic. Yeah, the big lesson here is that anytime you're doing these mock draft things, if you want to get mad about a wall, a player will never be there. Don't. Just don't because you never know. They you know, know and, and and the thing the thing about guy like JOK is all of the things that people were like, this is the reason he's falling were well known things. There was no secret about him in the process. So it's like, okay, so he's kind of a very specific, hyper specific role. You got to have one for him. We kept talking about as this round started, and there were guys we like Steve Trevon Merrick, um, you know, guys at uh, the wide receiver position, Elijah Moore, guys we liked that, that went early. We're like, okay, JOK kind of keeps falling. Well, what's the knock? He's got this, got to have a role. He's a tweener. Guys, we knew these things, and we looked at mm-hmm. the Browns and we're like, this defense needs that guy. This is the Browns fit that player. So it gets to pick 50, 51, and then we start talking, and oh God, they traded. And it's, I just can't think, it was a really cool moment because a bunch of us really like the player. And I talked about this on the air, and I'll talk about it again here. The Browns have never had a defensive player like this. And it is a guy who can roam the field and be aligned in so many different spots and do a ton of different things because of his ability to hit with power, because of his ability to play with anticipation, because of his ability to close with speed, all of those things like Tyron Matthew type of player. And there's some other guys out there who do some similar things like a, like a, like a Buddha Baker does some similar things. There are guys out there who do this stuff, but my general point is like, and a linebacker hybrids, Jeremy Chen, I kind of include in that group linebacker hybrids, like, um, I'm drawing a blank. There are some linebacker hybrids that are similar out there, but like, like Isaiah Simmons is the guy from last year's draft who Isaiah Simmons, in my opinion, 
was a height, weight, speed guy. Didn't have mm-hmm. the experience that JOK brings from the other facets of the game. You know, Isaiah Simmons was very narrowly forward-focused player, was where he thrived in, in rush situations or playing forward at the line of scrimmage. Uh, so people overlook some of that. I think he's a more complete prospect. Now, the size was an issue. You know, he's smaller, so where does he fit? That kind of came into it. But, like, to experience that moment where... We all were sitting there like, oh, God, they traded. Who are they trading for? How many times in our Browns, you know, fandom, whatever, now we're covering them, but in our our belief and following of the Browns, have they traded up or done something exciting? And it's like, uh, oh, okay, this is what they did. (laughs) It's not Mm -hmm. who I thought it was. It never even (laughs) think it was. It was just a really cool moment, and I hope we cut that up and share it tomorrow because I said I was just excited. A lot of cuss words kind of came out of pumped. I just haven't remembered being that excited since like Baker. I was really excited when they took Baker, you know, for good or bad. I was, I was pretty excited about the prospect of Johnny Manziel at the time. Like it's just the draft can provide those moments and you hope ultimately this works out better than Manziel. I don't think he's anywhere type that person, but like, it just provides those really unique moments where we're all, and it was really cool because me and you and Barry are all sitting there just kind of conversing and, oh my God, they made a trade. What are they going to do? They're taking him. And it was just really neat. It was really cool to be there with your friends and, and just experience that. And, you know, I don't ultimately don't know what JOK becomes. Maybe he fails. I don't know. But for the prospect at the position that they got this guy and the things that he did at Notre Dame and the things that we hope, believe that Joe Woods can transfer him into this defense to do in that hybrid nickel safety linebacker type role. I know Paul DePodesta talked about him being a linebacker. There's going to be just play him in space. Play him in space and let him roam and make plays with his instincts and athletic traits, and I think you're ultimately going to be fine with him. Uh, I just really enjoyed the moment is kind of what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, going back to what you said a little bit before, uh, a couple things you said. One, yeah, I think the reason he fell was you have to have a plan. For a, for a player, you have to have, or you end up with what happened to Isaiah Simmons last year in Arizona. They they picked him, what, 12th or whatever it was, and he, he played like, you know, 18% of the snaps or, or some ridiculous number because they could not figure out how to use him. You don't take a player like this unless you very specifically know uh, how to use him. And I, I thought of a comp, uh, well, not, not a comp, a style type comp and I think um, a usage type comp because we were sitting there as he kept falling and kept falling and kept falling and then we started to, to get fearful because we went he is such a Pittsburghy pick he's a Steeler type pick that will go fourth pick and we're going to be pissed off yep. and it made me start thinking about the way he could be used and everything you just said his coverage ability his explosion moving forward um, sideline to sideline instinctive and attacking um, and some of the things he said uh, in his interview about, you know, I talked to coach Woods and he said, he's going to, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but turn me loose. You know, that, that free freestyle, I think was a word that he used that kind of stuff. Here's a, here's a thought for usage, not for player comp because it's unfair to complain to uh, comp somebody to a hall of famer, but stylage of use. He's very Paul Amalo esque to me. I think yeah. that is how, I think that is exactly how they're going to use him. He's sometimes he's going to be in between the guard and the center. 
and it's not a and it's not a decoy. He's freaking coming. And then there's going to be other times where he's playing, you know, deep. And there's going to be other times where he's lined up man on man in the slot. And then there's going to be other times where, yeah, they will line him up in what would be traditionally called, you know, the Mike spot as a linebacker. But uh, I, I think mostly he's going, like you said, he's going to be a slot player. He's more of a safety. And as far as the weight thing, we talked about this on the air. Everybody, oh, he's a little bit light. He's a 214 is light for a linebacker. Okay. Change that LB next to his name to an S because that's really what he is. He's more of a safety that they're going to use in some linebacker role. Is 214 light for a safety? No, it's not. So the only reason people think that he's light is if you're thinking of him in a traditional off-ball linebacker role, and that's just not how he's going to be used. So I'm not worried about the weight thing at all. As, as a domer, I watched this guy play. I saw what he can do. I saw there there's definitely things... Sometimes he gets over aggressive and he's he's young. He's going to be a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. He's got to learn the league. And and a player of his style with the usage that we think we're going to see him in is probably going to have a little bit more of that than somebody else. Because, you know, especially after a few games, opposing OCs are going to have tape on him and they're going to go, okay, he's really aggressive in this situation. Let's bait the rookie, you know. Uh, uh, But ultimately, he's athletic enough and talented enough and smart enough much like um, uh, John Johnson, who they brought in, he's he was the quarterback of the defense in Notre Dame. They have several guys now that they think you know can wear the green dot if need be. He's that kind of smart level player. So I, I really, it's a perfect fit. I think. I mean, we. I, I mean, we're again, we're talking about a guy that we would have been completely okay, totally happy, totally fine at 26, mm-hmm. and you got him at 52. Yeah, we'd have been very happy. I was kind of low-key expecting him at 26. Um, so, yeah, the, that's a great rap. That's an awesome thing. to say. I saw Tony Dungy compare him to a young Derek Brooks. So, like, there are people Ooh, that are smarter. There are people who are smarter than us who coached guys like Derek Brooks who are saying these things. So, wow. yeah, like I said, ultimately this guy could never find a position. He could ultimately be too hyper-aggressive. Right. He could play himself. We don't know. We're not guaranteeing anything. But what I like is the the place they got the prospect and the value at which the traits he brings mm-hmm. to the team. I think it's a beautiful mesh. Those first two picks, and I'm going to be honest, I said it on the show, the rest is great. It's it's cake to me. The rest, whatever else they do, I, the first two <laughs> picks are so good that I don't care, that I truly don't care. Like, make your picks. And they made that pick. They picked Anthony Schwartz. Uh, here's my spiel. You can find it on Twitter. It's truly what I believe. He's, he's a guy who can play 10 to 15 snaps. They, they, maybe they wanted Nico Collins, the pick before to Houston, because he's got a little bit more of a, a well-rounded game. And maybe they wanted Diami Brown, who went, I think, eight picks to Washington football team ahead of them. Some guys like that. Maybe that's who they wanted. I don't know. And that falls on them because they didn't. They weren't aggressive enough to move up to get that guy. But I think they were fine with a range of wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And what they wanted to do was find, how does somebody, okay, Diami Brown, fun player, how does he get on the field? He kind of has a repetitive skill set to some guys who are here. Maybe the same could be said for Nico Collins, pretty similar player to DPJ. Is that a bit of an overlap? Well, let's get somebody who doesn't do anything somebody else in this wide receiver room does. And that's right. burn down the football field. Listen, Anthony Schwartz, did not blow up at Auburn. He was a pretty solid player, was not great. I certainly don't think he was dealing with the most creative offensive structure, and he was definitely not dealing with great quarterback play, as we all should know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I look at from their perspective is, A, he's young. He's 20 until September. That's moldable. Still not done growing, still not done getting stronger, could even get faster in mm-hmm. his time with the Browns early on. 
already fast, 425 speed, and you watch his tape, it is like, whoa, it's like Jalen Waddle, whoa, sometimes. It when he hits it, it's crazy how good he gets, how good uh, sorry, how well he gets to top speed and he erases some angles. So that's his best trait by far, but that's what the Browns wanted. They needed that player. I, I continually have talked about how the Browns are playing in this condensed red zone structure sometimes because teams are unafraid of anybody on the football field, either stretching them vertically, post, corners, vertical routes, takeoff, go, whatever, double move, post corner, or somebody working them horizontally in man coverage, running away from somebody in space. That's what Schwartz can do. And there's like a 10 to 15 snap player next year where he's running jet sweeps, fly sweep, deep routes, off play action, clearing out because maybe he clears out the field safety for Odell to run an over route and hit that Mm -hmm. little soft spot and turn it into a big gain. That's what you're looking for. I need a guy who can do 10 to 15 snaps of something different, something unique. This is what they wanted out of JoJo Natson. They tried to do some of this gadgety stuff and he just isn't ultimately good enough. This is what Schwartz can do. That's why he's fun. Now, like I said, does he become the best wide receiver in this class? I, no, it's probably not going to happen. But you can see a path where this guy can be a productive player in his rookie contract in Cleveland and fill a serious role. So, like, that's what I'm looking for. That's the route at which that player gets on the field. And when you're picking around pick 100, that's what... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed makes the most sense to me. How does a guy affect our 2021, but also potentially get around Jarvis, get around Richard Higgins, guys who know how to get open with limited athleticism, talk about route nuance, wiggle, outcut to in cut, different things, different release types, and you got the ultimate route running guy with Odell Beckham who could put their arm around him and say, listen, young blood, this is what you need to do to do X, Y, and Z effectively. That changes a player's outlook. It's an mm-hmm. important thing. It's an important thing. So there's a chance he develops. I like taking the flyer there. We're going to talk about some guys who are on the board later, who like defensive tackles and safeties and guys that I think there's still some deep positions that they could attack. I was completely fine with getting the wide receiver with the trait they wanted at that spot. Give me your give me your feedback on it. I'm with you. I, I mean, ditto. You know, I mean, <laughs> we said we we said it for months leading up to it. Uh, we said it on the show tonight when they picked him. Uh, yeah, there may have been some other guys on the board that you like better. There may have been wide receivers that you like better. You may have thought it was early, although I've seen for a long time guys like Lance Zierlein and, and John Ledyard and some other people who really know uh, this kind of stuff say, you know, I, why is he ranked day three? I can't see a guy with four legit 4-2 four speed getting out of day two. And they ultimately ended up to be right. This is right about probably where he should have been picked. And it, it, like you said, at absolute minimum, as a rookie, um, he's going to come in and, uh, you know, you go deep. 
Go, uh, take your guy that they have assigned to you and, you know, maybe they're in, you know, deep halves. You're going to drag the, the safety on your half has to go with him. Absolutely has to, you know, because otherwise he's going to get behind everybody. And that opens up, uh, you know, uh, like you said, Odell on the slants, Jarvis on the crossing routes, all all the routes at the tight ends. I mean, I think the addition of Schwartz will help David Njoku have a, a monster year uh, in the space where he runs. Not, and not only that, let's say he drags two guys 35, 40 yards down the field and you dump a screen pass to Kareem or or um, Nick Chubb. And, and yeah. now you've got four guys instead of six guys on yep. the defense. And they're already tearing up when there's six guys trying to take them down. I mean, you, you can't underestimate what effect that kind of speed, if used properly – can have on the rest of your offense. The domino effect is just fantastic. Even if the only thing he contributes all year is like three jet sweeps that break open, two bombs, and then he's clearing space and letting Baker throw into a window that's, you know, three quarters of a yard instead of four inches. That's a huge difference in the NFL. So, I, I, I'm totally fine with it. I'm completely fine with it. And he's got a quarterback who can deliver the football downfield. Led the league in deep right. accuracy last year. Had has had three good years of deep ball accuracy with an Ard that can, if he gets a crow hop into it, really gets his forward momentum. Sixty five yards in the air, he can let you go track a deep ball. That's mm-hmm. what he does. That's what you can. That's what you can get from Schwartz as a guy who can track a deep ball and run away from people at this level. It's unique. And we're not trying to promise you that this was a fantastic value pick. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. He's going to be a great player. We're not right. saying that. What we're saying is the path to him failing is pretty clear. He never develops route nuance. He never does anything other than run straight down the field like John Ross type. That's what that's what the, the basement mm-hmm. is. And John Ross, even though the basement of John Ross is low, uh, he, he, he contributed a little bit. He was the ninth pick. That's the big difference, obviously. But he right. contributed speed. He contributed things. Maybe they didn't show up on, on stat sheets, but like for the 91st pick, for a guy who can do a little bit of what John Ross did and get open on occasions, maybe catch the football more consistently than John Ross mm-hmm. did, mm-hmm. that's what you're looking for. And I'm okay taking a flyer on John Ross at pick 91. I'm just fine with that. I'm completely fine with that because maybe this version of John Ross develops. Maybe this version of John Ross can catch the football a little bit more consistently, and that's what you're looking for at that at that spot. And based on where the wide receiver board had gone, I'm more than fine with it. So I think three picks that are completely the first two are home runs. I can see their 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 vision and goal with the pick at 91. They come back, and we should. We, I'd be remiss to mention too. It was really it was a really good trade to go up to 52 because what you did was you give a little later to get a little now. Move up to 59, mm-hmm. but they moved back. Back to pick 113 from pick 91 or sorry sorry pick 89 so what they did here is the fun thing that i was talking to you about on the air was they're still kind of getting that it was really cool that they did 89 and then bang bang 91 they're still getting that it's going to be right off the rip tomorrow when we come on the show they get pick 110 and 113 now We'll see if they use both of those, or maybe they they move up a little bit because they they they're meeting tonight, and I'm sure they're going crazy in their their room tonight after interviews and saying, "Hey, who do we want at the top of this this fourth mm-hmm. round?" Because they can couple like pick 169 and pick 110 and go up to pick 106 and get who they want, or 211 and this pick and go up and get who they want, whatever. Uh, or they could ultimately move this pick 113 and say, "Okay, maybe we don't need two guys at this spot. We can make this a third round pick next year because somebody really wants a guy at 113." Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. something they could do. So keep your eye on that opportunity but this is what's cool they they you know positions to me steve that i think that they should be interested in going out and getting uh from a primary perspective uh they they should look at an edge i'm not sure about the 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 legitimacy of anybody in that range but they should go after an edge they should go after a defensive tackle which has guys at that position Mm -hmm. they should go after a safety which has guys at that position and um 
that's probably the, the primary. The, the secondary to me is interior uh, interior offensive line, and uh, you're probably looking at something like a um, corners, uh, a, a corner. Yeah, a corner. You could almost convince me corners a primary, but a corner, and then uh, you could talk to me about a tight end because we've talked about maybe looking at the long term of the tight end and getting another stash guy late in case David Njoku leaves after next year. Whatever. Uh, those are the those are the kind of positions I'm thinking about. I'm especially drawn, Steve, to 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 three positions early: defensive tackle. Safety and corner. I think there's some really interesting prospects there. Let's talk about who those prospects are. I'll name a few that I'm particularly interested in, and I'll throw it to you, and you name a few who you think are, are really good values that not just pick 110 and 113, but later. I'm definitely interested in Jamar Johnson, the number 47 player on the uh, uh, Pro Football Focus Big Board Safety versatility most of the time playing as a deep safety good range i like him the safety room could use one more piece even with jok and the flexibility he has i want another piece there our darius washington is interesting because he's a slot guy hybrid guy he could be your future nickel interested in him after troy hill uh i know you're going to talk about a particular player from oregon i'll leave that to you um uh cam sample the edge from tulane is interesting uh, I will mention Marvin Wilson. I know Marvin Wilson had a down year, but you're talking about a guy, Marvin Wilson, coming into last year. People were very interested in as a potential first-round pick for right. a state defensive tackle. Very interested in him. Listen, I don't think they're doubling up on wide receiver, but Tylen Wallace is still there. Like him. Don't think they're going to do it, but like him. Uh, other guys I'll mention, because I know you're going to have a lot of guys. Jay Tufile is interesting. I think he's still available, I believe. Uh, both mm-hmm. of the USC defensive tackles are available. And uh, I know you're going to kind of cap off a lot of the other guys. The only other person I'll mention, and this is my dark horse pick at 110 or 113, Sean Wade. I think there are going to mm-hmm. be there's going to be some interest in Sean Wade uh, because he provides inside. Uh, he has proven to be a better inside player uh, than, than outside in his early Ohio State career. So he has experience inside, and that might be ultimately where he lands. He he was not good outside, but he's got experience outside. So similar to maybe Troy Hill in that mold, a guy who's got outside and inside experience, but also some people kind of project he could bump back to safety. So. Right. Uh, that's a guy who 110-113, and they're looking like, hey, what about a defensive back with some positional versatility? Sean Wade, particularly interesting to me there. A Buckeye fans might might not have loved his last season, but the, the whole picture of Sean Wade, when a guy who was projected again going into 2020, when he was wavering back and forth on whether he was going to play or not because of the weird circumstances before the Big Ten decided to play, he was a first-round projection, flat out. Like, mm-hmm. People were like, that guy's a first-round player. So some more guys we could talk about, but that's kind of where my mind is early on. And legitimately so. I mean, his tape before this past year as as a slot guy was legitimately, you know, day one, early day two uh, material. He's one of two guys. They're still listed as corners everywhere uh, that I'm going to talk about. But if you're talking about somebody, you're adding more help in the in the safety room uh, that is a little bit outside the box. Sean Wade would be one of those. And another one of my guys that I've just loved forever is Trill Williams uh, out, uh, out of uh, Syracuse. Yeah. He's listed as a corner has great numbers as a corner, has played outside, has played a slot, but he's so big and so strong. And so he's, there's a lot of people saying his best spot will be to go to that free safety spot because he's, he's like 6'2 and a half, 210, something like that, and uh, still runs low 4'4s and legit 4'4s, 4'4'1, I think, something like that. Uh, big play guy, uh, nose for the ball, one of those field flippers that we like to talk about, and gives you position. We want another corner. We want another safety. If you get a guy like Sean Wade or Trill Williams, in us, in essence, you've addressed both in one fell swoop because they can give you that positional versatility. As far as other safeties, if you're looking at that, of course, Jamar Johnson. And this is the range that I was comfortable with him. If you remember, 
uh, I don't know, a month ago, whenever it was that he first, you know, came on all the radars, it was early day three. It was 110, 132, that sort of stuff. And then he just absolutely caught fire and people were saying we might not be able to get him at 59. And I always thought, well, I like him, but the warts that he has and the, the, the holes in his game, I'm not comfortable at 59. I would much rather get him, you know, 91 or later. So I think this is the perfect range for because he's very athletic. Uh, super uh, in coverage, has some tackling stuff, if I remember right. Um, uh, as far as other safeties, ta- uh, Talano Hafanga is still out there, who is extremely versatile, as is Hamza Nazraldin. Both of those guys have injury question marks, which could be why they're still there, because they're both incredibly athletic. Uh, Derek Forrest, the kid from Cincinnati, who they have shown interest in and, and ha- have had meetings with, it's a little bit further down the board. If you want a, a couple of dark horse safeties that haven't been talked about a lot in Brown's Twitter, but... Their age and, and athletics and uh, profile and all that other stuff fits the guardrails. Caden Stearns out of Texas is a guy like mm-hmm. that. Very uneven tape, but super athletic. Uh, and Tyree Gillespie uh, out of uh, uh, Missouri has not been talked about a lot. There's another safety for you right there. As far as other corners, pure corners, Thomas Graham Jr. is a PFF darling. Uh, and I know Pete likes him a lot, too, uh, out of Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, out of Oregon. Um, not as highly rated on a lot of the media boards, but fits a lot of the guardrails that this and and we have seen yet again that they're very very serious about those kinds of things. Also, Elijah Griffin, who our friend Jared Mueller has been high on for a long time, he's young and athletic and moldable. Nate Hobbs, down near the bottom of the board, has elite athletic traits. Uh, coming out of Illinois, and uh, of course Darren Hall, the kid from San Diego State. Uh, he would be a fun addition to the, uh, uh, the defensive backfield as well. As far as other edges that you didn't mention, uh, you mentioned Camp Sample and Ellerson Smith. Those guys are both uh, right around this range. Victor Dimikeji, uh fits that uh, multiple seasons of high production in a big conference thing that Andrew Berry um, mentioned the other day. He's a little short. Uh, some of his testing numbers is not elite, but it's good. He's okay. But that's what you're going to get on day three. If he was elite, you know, he wouldn't be around here. Um, Janarius Robinson is a guy, if you just want a height, weight, um, traits prospect who never really put it all together down at Florida State, that's another edge guy. The IDL uh, spot is interesting um, because there's guys that we all thought might have gone a lot earlier. So they're sitting at pick 110, which is the fifth pick in this in the draft and, and or in the fourth round. And right now, from the IDL room, just at the top, off the top of my head, you got Tommy Togiai, uh, Davion Nixon, the two USC guys that you mentioned, J2 Fele, who I think is wildly slept on, and Marlon uh, Tuipolotu and Bobby Brown three. So if they want IDL at 110, worst case scenario, pure math, if all IDL goes in front of them, one of those guys will still be there just because there's just not enough picks. You know, they're going to get one of those guys if that's what they're looking for. The IOL guys all went that I really like. I I like David Moore, but I think his age, he turns 23 over the summer. I think that's going to rule him out, the kid out of Grambling State. I I can't write him off completely, especially middle of day three, um, but they've shown they're exceptionally serious about that age guardrail, so I'm leaning against it. Trey Hill down in Georgia is a sneaky IOL name that I heard connected to them a few months ago and never heard anything come back. And Drew Dahlman out of um, uh, Stanford is the, the last interior offensive line guy that I can, at least that I can see that they might spend a pick on. Now, uh, Sam Cooper, the kid out of Merrimack, they've talked to a few times and have shown interest in, but he's already almost 24. Uh, so I'm guessing their interest in him is in the UDFA uh, type area. And I'll just throw something else out there. Just one more name. 
I can't believe he's still on the board, and it's a linebacker, so I, I, I don't know how much interest they would have had otherwise. And after JOK, I don't know how much interest they have at all. Plus, he's outside the age guard row. But Jabril Cox has so much fun stuff about him yeah. um, that on at a day three value, maybe you just do it. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. Like we've set us up several times. They're very serious about their guardrails and with a purpose for a reason. They don't just set them up arbitrarily, you know, to be cool or something. There's a reason for all that. But once you get to like, especially if he's if he's around 132 or you know, God forbid, 169, do you look at a guy like that and go, "Wow, maybe we don't give him a second contract, but we can find a way to use a guy that athletic for three years." Or if he's really good, you kind of maybe do. <laughs> you know, yeah, like I, exactly. You, you, you never know. I, I think that listen, what we know is that talking about this process and where we've gone, Steve and I were pretty strict about the age guardrail. We talked about it, I think, more intensely than anybody in the market in the Brown side. Mm-hmm. Like, I just thought, and I think you more than me, you really convinced me. I there was a couple times where you were talk about a guy turning twenty two at a certain point, uh, sorry, twenty three. And I was like, damn, Steve is really strict about this. But it makes sense. And really, when they've taken two 20-year-olds, one September, one November birthday, that won't even be 21 until in season. We look at Jacob Phillips, and we look at all of the guys last year, and then you hear Andrew Barry's quote about Greg Newsom and how much they value young prospects. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. So if you're – I think – Above all else, you got to look at age. You can talk about the metrics, the data, the testing, the spark scores, and that's great. I believe they do look for great athletes, and they've so far, uh, you know, been, been been looking for that to an extent. But like JOK has relative athletic score holes in his profile, and Schwartz definitely has a couple holes in his between his three cone and some other things. So like, what I think they're looking for when they get into the second, third, and beyond is is traits specifically, but also. Are they young? I think young has to be the biggest thing. This is now, because we talked about it, Steve. Well, do we have enough evidence? Do we have enough evidence? Mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. we're two, three rounds deep, three picks deep more of the age guardrail evidence. I think it's very real. So we can talk about somebody like Zach McPherson, the, co- the corner from, mm. from, from, from Texas Tech, who we like a ton, and we thought the NFL would like a ton, and he could still be a fourth-round guy, but he's 23. And he's he's he. I just I just don't believe they're going to take anybody like Jabril Cox and like I like those guys. I would I would sit in a room and talk to them and be like, well, he's pretty good. But until I have evidence that they're even going to bend on the third day, like then I'm just not going to really consider those guys. So yeah, it, it, it just it just kind of is what it is until we're proven otherwise. And that doesn't mean I don't trust them to take good players because if like you know if a guy's 23 but he's a superstar, maybe they do bend it. I think that the thing that they're showing here, and I think Deep Podesta touched on this when he was interviewed about the pick of JOK, like, hey, man, look at us. We'll move up. We'll go get somebody. So maybe right. they do ultimately prove us wrong tomorrow, and they say, well, he's a little older, but we really like him. So maybe that's in place. But for now, going on nine, no, or ten rounds of evidence from these guys in draft situations now with Andrew Barry and this current structure leading them, they go young, and we don't have any evidence they'll get anybody above what Jordan Elliott was, which was a November birthday, 22 years old with a November birthday end season. That's that's the uh, that's the oldest we have. So we go off of that until we have something different. So, Steve, we're, we're probably tired of talking about it. We did a whole dang live show for five hours tonight again. Now 37 minutes of content about tomorrow. <laughs> this is Listen, this is a blast, man. I didn't think I'd find anybody in my lifetime who loved this stuff as much as I do. And you teach me new things every day, man. It's been, my, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks for helping tonight. 
Yeah, anytime. I mean, and I'm with you just to really quickly touch on what you just said. I think we still don't have two full drafts, but I think we can say with absolute confidence that day one and day two, the age guard rail is not bendable. They, They will not bend it. We still have one more day. Will they loosen it up a little bit on day three? I, I don't know. And it's such a weird draft class that you could get to. I mean, let's say they, they, they hang on to 211 and, and no one will trade with them. And they're sitting there and they've got two minutes left. And the only guys they even remotely like are already 23. Maybe they do that in this specific situation. I don't know. But I think we have enough evidence now, like you said, that round one, round two, round three. You're out if you're 23 or close to 23. I, I don't think there's any debate left at this point. Not a debate at all. We'll 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 change our thought process when they show us any evidence to the contrary. Right. So, and we keep saying with this front office, and especially with the Schwartz pick, that some people started to get a little angsty about. I trust this group until I have a reason to not trust them, and they have given me no reason to question them and 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 not trust what they're doing. So, right. Um, exciting stuff. Really, really fun day. I'll never forget. There's a lot of draft moments I'll never forget. I'll never forget them moving up to take JOK right there. So that was a blast, my friend. Um, we will probably, God willing, Steve has the energy. We'll probably check in tomorrow night with another pod to talk about who they picked in round three, or sorry, day three, because this is where I think Steve thrives in, in his study that is so deep on this stuff. He really knows so many of these late targets, and myself, I know a lot of them through his. I edited all of his mock drafts. Done what? How many did you do? Ninety five leading up to this um i think today was 96 so 96 i've edited all 96 of these things so i learn about these late round prospects through his study i get a guy that is interesting i go watch them i give him feedback we talk about them and this is how the feedback has gone through this cycle we hope it's benefited you guys who have been the loyal daily readers of this thing and it's been a lot of fun even those of you who come in and argue and tell us Specifically, Stephen, he's stupid. I, you know, whatever. I, I, I feel a lot of stupid things. I tried to devil. I tried to dabble into this thing late in the process and do a couple dailies, and I was like, okay, this is his. Net. I'm just going to stick to the film rooms. But um, it's just really, it's really cool to know so many names late and have a good feel for a lot of these guys. So I always. Uh, this 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 cycle has been unique, and we've had ten hours of draft coverage, which I think you guys have responded well to. If you did not hear us today, we talked about a fifty percent offering going on for annual subscribers at the OBR running through May third. So take advantage of that. Uh, where you can get all the rumors, all the film breakdowns, all the draft content, because we're going to start putting this stuff. Uh, for specific OBR subscribers, at some point, it's going to tighten up and just be for you if we get enough of you involved. So we're trying to really get there, and we hope you guys are appreciating that and supporting good journalism like we're trying to provide for you. So this has been fun. Three rounds down. Four fun, interesting rounds to go. We'll see if they end up taking the nine players that everybody told us that they would be stupid to take. We'll see if mm. that still happens, because I thought it was very possible because this they want to challenge the bottom of this roster to get guys right. in who can beat people out for positions and create competition. I was laughed off of Twitter a couple times for talking that way, but uh, you know we love you for laughing us off Twitter because sometimes we get to go back and say we're right when the majority of the time we're probably wrong but whatever we'll deal with that at a later date steve this was a blast my friend uh it, it was yeah uh, i don't know what else it's amazing that after you know three months non-stop 10 hours the last two days and now close to 45 minutes here we haven't run out of crap to talk about yet so <laughs> it's a it's a blast when we have uh, good things to talk about with the browns it's fun. It's fun. They're getting better right in front of our face, and the NFL never stops giving us content to talk about. And we didn't even talk about the big news, which is the Texans taking a quarterback with their first pick and the Aaron Rodgers stuff. We'll deal with that later. We'll talk about that later. For now, this is a sign-off for day two coverage. Hopefully you get a chance to listen to this and hear these names and these concepts before day three. We will check back in tomorrow night for you to listen.
listen to uh, after the draft and then your Monday morning commute and have a full comprehensive discussion about their total total draft. So thanks guys for checking in and as usual, until we talk next time, go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.